If you're new at this, if you maybe saw the invite or got brought by a friend or however you arrived here this morning, but you're new, I want to encourage you, okay, to make a commitment. And you don't have to right now, but maybe listen to the message today. And I want to encourage you to give it a few weeks to maybe say a little bit more than I'll just try it one time. I want to encourage you to come back for the rest of this series. There's going to be three more talks in this series. And, and I want you to come for a few weeks. And why is that? Because I really believe that when you give God a chance, when you really say, God, I want you to speak to me. God, I want to know if you're real. I want to know the answers to, to my doubts. And, and when we give God a chance, man, he's so faithful to meet us where we're at and to speak to us in a powerful way. But I also know that because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me, you know, it's, it's worth it to give it a few times and really let God pour into your life. And so commit to coming for the next few weeks of the series. Take a chance. Commit to the journey. If you even want to go deeper with the study and kind of, kind of dig into the topic a little bit more, there's a book that goes along with this series. Um, it's called Finding Your Way Back to God by Dave Ferguson. You can find it on Amazon. Order it. Dig in. There's some amazing stories and amazing uh, just questions and application content in that book. And so if you'd like to dig deeper, deeper go ahead and do that. But like I said, we're going to talk about four awakenings, and today we're talking about the awakening to longing. In Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24, it's probably the greatest short story ever written. And it's the story of what Jesus calls the prodigal son. And it starts out and says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now, let's just stop right there. Basically, the younger son was telling his dad, I wish you were dead. And so, man, we're starting off with a bang in this story. Drama from the first sentence. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And it's amazing that the father even agreed to do it, but he did. And it says, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. Now, that's something that could easily be glazed over. But the big question that we're asking ourselves today is, why? Why? And it says, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Now, we don't know why he wanted to leave. Maybe he was jealous as the younger son. Maybe he had been hurt. Maybe his feelings got hurt at some, t some point along the way. Maybe he was, felt misunderstood, as many you know, teenagers do sometimes. And we don't know how old he was at this time. But maybe, maybe he felt like he wasn't being treated fairly. But for whatever reason, there was this longing in his soul that he wasn't getting something he wanted. He wasn't... Some hole in his heart, some part of his life wasn't being filled, and he felt like he needed to go to get what he wanted. And before you think that you're exempt from this story, like I would never do that, I would never be so mean to my parents, especially if you had parents that were there for you and had provided, and, and just think of it, that the dad had, had, had created an inheritance. He, he had something to give, and, and you know, depending on what kind of family you come from, you know, your parents may or may not have an inheritance for you, and, and so there's all kinds of feelings that go with that, and, but this was what seemingly was a loving dad who had, had worked and, and who had saved and had, had provided this inheritance, and 
And so for the son to turn around and be like, you know, I just want it now. Pretty offensive. And before you think that, man, I would never do that. I would never do something so, so outlandish and so offensive. The Bible says in another verse in Isaiah 53, 6, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us, me, you, your precious grandmother, we've all gone astray. And each of us has turned to our own way. So why would he have done this? And then the bigger question for us today is, why would we do something like that? Studies show that more than any other time in history, I guess maybe since they've been doing studies, they didn't used to do studies, right? But statistics show that we are lonely. We're lonely. In fact, we're the loneliest people in the world. They did studies and, and it showed that the French are lonely and the Germans are lonely and, and even the Scandinavians, they're supposed to be the happiest people in the world, right? Even the Scandinavians are lonely. But you know who topped the list in the study? Are the most lonely people in the entire world? Americans. And more specifically, Gen Z. Generation Z. And man, that just breaks my heart. And, and how it is fleshing itself out in society, the statistics say that, that self-harm is up 334% since the beginning of the pandemic. 334%. Overdoses are up 119%. Anxiety, and this has probably touched every single person in this room, it's up 94%. So maybe there's like six of you that it hasn't touched. But basically, all of us. Depression is up 84%. Blows my mind. Smartphone use. Did you know that on average, Americans unlock their phones 150 times per day? Can you imagine? And at least two hours a day, on average, is spent on social media. Why is that? Why are we hurting ourselves and, and worrying so much and sliding into depression more than we ever have? Why are we more lonely now than we have ever been? Why are we constantly searching and scrolling and looking? Because I think it is when we look at what is going on in everybody else's life and we're seeing the state of everybody else, man, we're deep down, we're thinking to ourselves, I want what they have or at least the version that is portrayed on the screen, right? I want what they have. There's this longing, there's this loneliness, there's this place in our heart that is empty. And when people have longings, when people have these deep desires to be known and fulfilled and, 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 and just be loved, they obviously respond in different ways. Some people throw themselves headlong into work and become workaholics and just, just to, it, to, to avoid feeling what they're feeling, they just numb themselves with endless work. Some people throw themselves into pleasure and they just can't wait for the next feeling good, whatever that looks like in their life. It could be drugs or alcohol or, or all kinds of things. Some people throw themselves into a hobby. Some people throw themselves into remodeling projects and then they get started and they're like, why did I do this, right? 
my house was fine before and here I am with dust everywhere and they realize, ah, it's not helping, right? But people want to be known and to know God. But we try to fill that need with so many different things, just like the young man in the story. And so we go to great lengths. It says he went off to a distant land. He left the safety of his home and he went off and he wasted it all on wild living. When I was 11 years old, my family took an epic trip in the, in the Chevy Caprice classic station wagon, right? Amazing. All three, all, me and both my brothers, my sister was already gone, but man, even though the station wagon sat 10 people, um, it was tight quarters, but it was cool because you could flatten out the back, and, and back in the day, it was like, what seatbelts, you know? And so we're, we're in the back on, in sleeping bags, and, and uh, the car was so wide, and I was so short that I could literally lay completely stretched out on the bench seat in the back. Some of you kids are like, what's a bench seat, right? But, but the, the V8 Caprice Classic all the way out to Portland, Oregon, and then on the way back, we go through Glacier National Park, Yellowstone, Black Hills, the epic family trip, right? Well, when we were in uh, Glacier National Park, um, we're hiking and my parents are like, we want to go on a cool hike. So they found a popular one, which was up to Avalanche Lake. Beautiful. And so we hike up there to Avalanche Lake and, and we're strolling around the lake and the whole family's there and we're just having a, a great time. And um, as an 11 year old adventurous, full of energy uh, boy, uh, who was who who in the process of becoming a man and just, you know, and because I was the third or the fourth of four kids, it was like my parents had kind of given up like looking after me, um, if you know what I mean. Uh, mom, dad, sorry, um, but it's true. And so my parents let me do things that the older ones never got to do. And so because they're just kind of tired, you know what I mean? Uh, if you have a lot of kids, you know what I mean? It's like, and so we're, we're hiking, we're having fun. And, and I verbally said out loud, I looked up at this amazing landscape and, and there, there was the tree line and there was a waterfall. And even though this was in August, there was snow. And I said, I'm going to touch that snow. And I said it out loud. No one paid attention to me. I'm the baby. No one listened to me ever, right? It's like I could say whatever I want and everybody just goes along with their life. And so, and so, but I'm like, I'm going to touch that snow and I take off and no one even notices I'm gone. And so I get to the end of the trail and I plow through the woods. I come up out above the tree line. I keep going up the mountain and I touch the snow, right? Well, at some point along the way, my mom realized I was gone and royally freaks out. And so they're like, where did Joe's go? And my mom remembered in the recesses of her mind, Joe said he was going to touch the snow. And so they look up and above the tree line, they describe it. They say they saw this little speck. <laughs> they saw this little speck prancing around on the rocks up there above the tree line. Right? And so they come to the end of the row and they're screaming, Joe, Joe, Joe. Right? And so I touch the snow and, and I'm hanging out. And I'm like, this is amazing. Look what I did. And all of a sudden I look over and I see something scurry and I see a badger. And at that moment, I'm like, oh my goodness, it just got real. 
like there's living things up here that might want to have me for lunch and I better go back down. And so I turn around and I start to mosey on back down the mountain, uh, you know, because some reality set in. It's like, what? I'm a long way from the family. What if I can't find my way back? All the, all the questions. And so I start to get closer and you know what I heard? I heard the voices of my family yelling and screaming, Joe! And so guess what I did? I started not just walking down the mountain, now I'm running down the mountain because I realize, oh my goodness, I left. I'm not in the safety of my family. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, right? And I ran back down the mountain. I couldn't wait to get back to where I was supposed to be. And that's a funny story, right? But what about the, the more serious times in life where we find ourselves in a situation, whether addicted to drugs or, or in a broken relationship because of our choices or, or man, we're, we've worked so hard, we've alienated our family or you, you fill in the blank. Whatever has happened to you, whatever hurt you're carrying and you find yourself in this place where, where you're lost, you're far and you don't even know how to get back. What do we do? The first thing that we do, and you can start to fill in the blanks in your notes, is that we've got to realize that sometimes what we want isn't what we're longing for. Sometimes what we want isn't what we're longing for. You see, the young son in this story, he thought he wanted to go out and have fun. But there was a deeper longing inside of him and he was just mislabeling it. He was just mislabeling it. And let's unpack this. And, and, and the story goes on to say that about that time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. How many of you know that when he showed up wherever he was going and maybe it was something, the equivalent of, of Las Vegas and there was everything he could ever have wanted there and he went with a lot of money. And I bet when his, when his pockets were full, when, when he had all the money, I bet he had a lot of friends. And I bet when the money ran out and, and the famine came, I bet all his friends were gone. And he very quickly realized that what he wanted wasn't actually what he was longing for. This was the moment where, when he realized that what he had wanted didn't satisfy, that it was temporary, that it just didn't have it. So the problem isn't that we have longings or desires. Man, we, always, we all want stuff. But what's beneath the want? What are we really longing for? You see, the problem is that in seeking to fulfill these desires or these wants in life on our own, we lose track of who we really are and what we were really made for. And so if you have the feeling that you are chasing something that is never gonna fully satisfy, right? Pay attention to that feeling. And if you came for no other reason today, hear this. Man, if you feel like you're chasing after stuff in life and it's not satisfying, that feeling, that longing is from God. Listen to it. You see, the prodigal, he didn't realize until he had lost it all that what he longed for was already there for him even before he left. You see, when you long for a love that is deep and satisfying, 
when you want to give yourself to something that will truly make a difference or, or when you seek answers to life most, life's most dif- difficult questions or even when you just want to have some fun or experience pleasure. Those longings were put in you by God. Now here's the catch. We get to choose whether we're going to satisfy those longings and those desires with our sinful nature or by finding our way back to God. That's the rub. You've got two options. You can keep searching to fill those longings on on your own. And I would just humbly and with all the grace and love in the world ask you, how's that going for you? Because anytime I've tried to do that for myself, it doesn't go well. And I need somebody to ask me, how's that, how's that going? Listen, if you could have fixed it on your own, you would have done it already. And so you got two options. You can try to fill them on your own, keep going in that direction, the, the direction that, that hasn't worked yet. Or you can look to the one who gave you those longings in the first place. Listen, we spend so much of our time trying to fill longings with cheap substitutes that don't last The disappointment that you feel inevitably in cheap substitutes will make you wonder where in the world you can actually find real love. Now, I love Amazon and all its convenience. How many of you, you're you're big Amazon shoppers? Let's just be honest right now. How many of you have a little impulse shopping on Amazon every once in a while and, and it just feels good, right? How many of you, let's be honest, have ever got burned by a cheap imitation substitute on Amazon? And you're like, why didn't I just shell out the money for the real thing? Instead, you got this thing that fell apart after two, two tries, and it's like, ah, why did I waste my money? But we do that. Why? Because what we want isn't what we're really longing for, and we waste our time on cheap substitutes. What seemed like a great deal turned out to be a joke when we isolated ourselves, when we tried to find security and wealth, when we tried to find comfort in drugs and alcohol or, or sexual relationships outside of marriage, when we, when we tried to fill that, that, that hole in our heart with popularity or prestige. And so I want to just beg you this morning to be open to the possibility that what you're longing for is right in front of you all along. Even if you're searching the today, even if you're like, you, man, you were far from believing in God, but you're just searching and you thought you'd come and, and just check things out. I want to encourage you to get a Bible and the booklet that goes along with this series. Um, so in our lobby today, we've got different kind of bags. This is our, new, our, our bag for new believers or people that are just searching. And so inside of it, there's a new believer Bible. And there's this little booklet that goes along with the series called Finding Your Way Back to God. And we talk about this bag a lot. So maybe I'll just take a commercial break here for a second. Um, you don't pay for this, so it's not really commercial break. Um, but, and, and, you know, we talk about coffee and chocolate. And so, hey, we got this really cool mosaic mug. I love it. It's the perfect size because you can drink it all before your coffee gets cold. Um, I'm all about, I'm a small mug person, okay? And then we got some really good Dove chocolate in here for you. And we got some invite cards for you to bring your friends back to church. Um, but hey, even if you don't decide to follow Christ today, get a bag. Read the Bible. Read the booklet. And, and that, that, that goes along with our next point today. 
And so, number one, you got to realize that sometimes we want what, what we want isn't what we're longing for. And then the second thing I want to encourage you to do is just to keep searching. When you awaken to longing and you realize that your longings aren't being satisfied by the direction that you've gone so far in life. Number two, I want to encourage you to seek God with all of your heart. Now, you might say, Joe, that's a big jump. I, I don't even believe in God. I don't even know if, if God is the real deal. Listen, in Acts 17, verses 26 through 28, Paul said, and this is the message paraphrase, but I love how it says it. It says, starting from scratch, think about that. God made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God. Isn't that awesome? And not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He is not remote. He is near. We live and move in him and can't get away from him. I love that picture. And we're going to unpack the rest of the story in the weeks to come. But the reality is that when the prodigal son went back home, his father was waiting. Right? His father was waiting for him. And that's just, that's a great picture of God that when you seek him, he's ready to be found. In the book um, that goes along with the series, Finding Your Way Back to God, the author tells the story of Blaine Pascal. And, and he was a, a, a philosopher of his time, and, and, and man, he was super duper smart. But he began to challenge his friends and other philosophers to, to step into a belief in God for 30 days and see if it doesn't change their life. Now, I'm not a betting man, and, and scripture, you know, would encourage us not to gamble, right? But I think this is worth it. To not just give God a chance, like, like to dip your toes in the water, but what if for 30 days you said, God, I'm not just going to like kind of believe in you. What if I actually believed in you for 30 days? What if I really went all in and sought you with all of my heart? Man, it's a powerful prayer. And I encourage you over these next 30 days to read this prayer every single day and to pray it from the depths of your soul. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Make yourself real to me. I had a friend back in Illinois. We had been friends for a long time. We'd done a lot of ministry together. And um, he had a brother that for years he had been praying for his brother that his brother would come to know Jesus. That he would realize that God is real. That he would realize that God really loved him so much that he sent his one and only son to die for him on the cross. And he rose again on the third day. And so, but his brother um, was a self-proclaimed atheist. My friend that, that did know Christ, he had come to Christ uh, during high school. When he was 15 or 16 years of age, he had not gone to church growing up. And so their family didn't really grow up with that foundation. And that might, might be kind of how you grew up. And so his brother just kept on begging his, his brother to, to come to know Jesus and to give God a chance and to know that God was real. But his, his brother, being a hardcore atheist, um, you know, was kind of the, the polar opposite. The, the unbelieving brother constantly made fun of the believing brother at every chance he'd get. And he would 
poke fun and he would try to try to bring every argument in the world to to show his believing brother that God wasn't real. He was like an atheist on the offensive, if you know what I mean. He was just he 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 just couldn't stand that his brother believed in God. And at some point, years later, and me and my friend, we would meet and we would pray together for his brother and we would cry out to God that, that somehow his heart would soften and he would begin to believe that Jesus was real. And for years this went on. And so at one point, um, my, my friend comes to me and says, Joe, my brother is beginning to ask questions. Things are not going right in his life. Things are falling apart. And, and, and it's as if, you know, he's starting to wonder if God could be real. And so he asked me to meet with his brother and just kind of try to answer some questions. And so I did, and I sat across from, uh, from my brother's friend, and we just began talking. And, and you know, he was, had questions, and I'd do my best to answer them. But I was really honest, and I'm like, man, I can't answer all your questions because some of it is, is called faith. And we're believing things that we don't see. That's the very definition of faith, that, that even when we don't have all the answers, we're trusting God. And so I challenged my friend's brother. I challenged him. I'm like, hey, why don't you do me a favor and give God a chance for the next few weeks and pray to him as if he is real and ask him over and over and over, God, if you are real, reveal yourself to me. I want to know that you're real. He agreed to take the chance. A few weeks later, this hardened atheist young man came back to me and said, Joe, it happened. He said, I can't explain it. There's, there's, you know, I, I just, I don't have words for it, but I was praying and I was praying to a God. I didn't even know if he existed or not. And all of a sudden I believed and that belief instantly transformed his heart and transformed his life. And this young man that was so hardened by disbelief and doubt was a new creation. Everything about him changed. His countenance changed. He turned into the most tender, um, and I don't mean weak or wimpy. No, this tender man that loved God and loved people and had a heart to serve. And it happened in this instant all because... He sought God with all of his heart, even before he was even sure if he believed. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14 says, In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. Man, what amazing promises. James 4, 8 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wow. Listen, according to a Gallup survey, 92% of Americans would check yes if, if they're asked if they believe in the existence of a God. If they believe that God exists, so the great majority of us do believe in the existence of God. But what if, 
What if we went from just a casual acknowledgement that there is a God to a pursuit of knowing him for who he really is? To really know him, not just know about him, no, no, but to do what his word says and wholeheartedly seek after him, to come close to him, to pray, to seek him with all of our heart and let him reveal himself to you. Colossians 1.16 says that everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So those longings that you have that you've been trying to fill with so many things, the Bible says that you got your start in him. And when you come around, you're going to begin to find your purpose in him as well. It's only in God when you seek him that we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. Every single other path that you can ever follow will lead to death. To a dead end. Which do you wish were true? In your journey to seek and figure out is God real or not? Which do you wish were true? What, what longing is in your soul? That you were an accident? Or that you were created for a purpose? Just if, if, if you strip everything away, which do you wish were true? Man, I think if we took a poll, every single person that you've ever met would wish and hope that there was more to life than what they've been experiencing, more than just the nine to five, more than just waking up, eating the same cereal, going to the same job or the same school, coming home, you know, getting cleaned up, eating dinner and doing it all again the next day. Who wants to sign up for that? I think every single person on the face of the planet if they answer that question truthfully, would say, I don't want to be an accident. I want to be, I want to believe that I was created for a purpose. And listen, when you awaken to that longing, that you long, that man, I want more than what this life has given me so far. And you turn to God, you're going to find it. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. God looks at you straight into the depths of your soul and says, I made you for a purpose. Psalm 139, 16 through 17 says, you saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. When you seek God with all of your heart, you're going to catch glimpses of those plans that he has for you. Amen? So why not give God even half of the effort that he has already made to get close to you? Number three, when we awaken to longing, what do we do? The third thing that we need to do is we need to work through the hard questions on your journey. You might have been listening today and you might be a little cynical and you might say, Joe, that all sounds great, but what about? And you fill in the blank. Now, there's always someone in the family, and you know this to be true, there's always somebody in the family that has to ask the tough questions, right? There's that pessimist that pops the proverbial bubble all the time. You might come to that family member and say, I got a better job, I'm, it, I'm making more money, and they're saying, more taxes. <laughs> or you say, hey, I got into this great college, I'm so excited, and they say, how much does that cost? 
Or you might say, I got out of prison. Isn't this amazing? And they say, now you have to pay for your meals. <laughs> or you're like, hey, Uncle John, I graduated from high school. I'm so pumped. Now you have to work and pay the bills. Welcome to adulting. Or you might even say, oh, I can't wait to go home for Thanksgiving. And that family member says, so many dishes. They're just got to bring up the hard part. They're like, you know, I like to say sometimes, you know, they like that shop vac st stuck to your neck, just sucking the life out of you. But hey, when it comes to asking the hard questions in life, I want to encourage you, ask away. That's actually a good thing. To process through those, to get to the bottom of those answers. Maybe not to just be a proverbial, uh, just a, an eternal pessimist the rest of your life and, and just always be down. No, but ask the hard questions. Ask the hard questions. That's a good thing. Listen, God can handle any question you have and you need answers to those questions. Questions like Why? Why is there suffering in the world? Why did my loved one have to go through that sickness? Why did I have to go through that abuse? Why do good things happen to good people? Why are some people rich and some people are poor? Why can some eat and some don't? Listen, some of the answers we won't know until we reach eternity. But here's what I do know, that if God was to blame for the suffering, it's just interesting to me that Jesus would leave his place in heaven. He would leave God's right hand. He would leave the glories of that heavenly place to come and live a life just like you and me, knowing that he was going to suffer. I don't know about you, but what that tells me is in the face of all of my doubts and all of the suffering, it's not that I have God to blame, it's I, that I have God to thank, that instead of just letting me suffer, He came down and He walked this life as a human being and He suffered with me. Suffered with me. He suffered with you. He suffered things that you and I will never have to suffer because the Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He paid the debt that you owed. Amen. And so Jesus left his place and suffered on your behalf and mine. He came to set things right. He came to answer the big questions of life. Not just now, but with glimpses in your life. Glimpses of his purpose and his plan and his goodness. And also to give you a place for all of eternity. So listen, there's a reason that you feel like your life and the world aren't the way they're supposed to be. There's that longing in your soul that this just isn't quite right. There's a reason why your suffering feels not just painful, but also wrong and unfair. And I believe that God gave you those feelings. Your desire to see wrongs righted and to reach an end to the suffering is part of your inheritance as a child of God. But will you experience that in this life? Probably not. But God has prepared a place for you in heaven. 
And you and I will spend eternity in one of two places. We will either spend eternity with Jesus in his presence or separated from God in a place called hell. And now you would ask, why would God ever send anybody to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. Jesus came and died on a cross so that we wouldn't have to go there. Jesus is the answer to the suffering in the world, not the cause. Jesus came to make things right. Luke 4.18, Jesus came before people and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Amen. Jesus is your answer. And so when God created the world and people, it was perfect. It was our sin that broke it all. Jesus came to save us from that sin. This is the good news, that life is temporary. And Jesus made a way to, for you to know that the suffering will be temporary too. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 5.10. In his kindness... Man, take a chance and believe that God is full of kindness and not judgment. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, I don't want to sugarcoat anything or candy coat anything. This life is full of trials and it just kind of stinks sometimes. But God's word says that after we've suffered a little while, he will restore support. He will restore, he will support and strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. Amen. So where are you at today? Where are you at? Maybe you're just beginning to wake into that longing that, man, this life is not what I thought it was going to be. And I've walked down this long road in a distant country away from my heavenly family for far too long. And you're awakening to these longings and, and you're asking yourself, why do I feel this way? It's because God wants you to come home. It's God wants you to come home. And so if you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. I said at the beginning that I want you to come for the next few weeks and just continue to hear these messages about finding your way back to God. But I also want to encourage you, you don't have to wait a few weeks. If you're ready to come back to Jesus, to, to begin a relationship with Jesus today, you can start right now. Right now. And so if you're ready to just say, God, I want to come back to you. I've left. I went to a distant country and, and I've, I've wasted it all. I realized that, that my longing is really for you. And you're ready to come back if that's you today. You just want to raise your hand. I want to lead you towards Jesus. Amen. Anyone that would say, I want to follow Jesus. If you're online with us today, you can respond right in your living room or wherever you're watching from. You can lift your hand because it's not me that's watching. It's God. And this is just a, a, a physical representation of saying, God, I want to follow you. Amen. If that's you today and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, <clears throat> I just want to encourage you to pray a prayer just like this in your own heart with your own words. And you could say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again on the third day and I want to follow you. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. 
So please forgive me of my sin. I accept the free gift of salvation that you've afforded to me on the cross. And from this day forward, I'm going to be going to follow you with my life. And so teach me how to follow you and, and, and understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray a prayer like that and put your faith and trust in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody and keep going on the journey. Keep going on the journey. Come back next week. Join a life group. Get around some people that are going in the same direction and follow Jesus. Man, I'm so glad that you came today. In a moment, we're going to have pizza in the lobby. Hopefully, it's all ready for you to uh, get out there and stuff your faces and, and have a great time together. But And, and that's just a, a small way for us to say thank you. Um, yeah, um, th thank you for coming today. But hey... Listen, if you're new with us today, even if you didn't start a relationship with Jesus, um, uh, both the first-timer bag and the new believer bag have this, um, this booklet, Finding Your Way Back to God. Take it. Read it. Let it get in your heart. Um, use it as a resource in your relationship with Christ. And so you don't even have to say anything besides, hey, can I get a bag? And so if you go out to the Welcome Center on your way to get pizza or after pizza, you can even just walk over and grab one off the shelf. We just want to get the stuff in your hand to say thanks for coming, thanks for giving Jesus a chance, and thanks for being here at Mosaic. Um, there's going to be a prayer team up front. If you want prayer for anything, uh, you're sick, you want to know more about God, anything, they'd love to pray with you. They're just normal people that would love to lift your needs up to a loving God. And so I'm going to pray. We're going to be dismissed. Let's have a great time hanging out. Sign up for a life group. Um, the guys are on the way out if you'd like to give, but let's pray and just thank God for the food today. God, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for providing this meal for us. Bless it to our bodies. God, thank you for those that are searching. Help them to find you when they seek you with all of their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.